Thank you, Pearl, for those prayers. And good morning, church. It's great to see you all today. It's good to be with you, whether you're in person or online. We welcome you to Community Church. Um, last night, um, I, Erica and I went to see the Barbie movie, and it was actually the second time we've seen the movie. I can't remember the last time I went to a movie twice in the theater, so I'm kind of inspired with my pink today. Um, but fair warning, next week I'm actually going to talk about the Barbie movie and how it relates to our next sermon series, which is The Beginning and the End. We'll be looking at Genesis and Revelation. And actually, the movie has a lot to say about the first three chapters of Genesis. So there will be spoilers next week. If you want to go see the movie, see it this week. Uh, otherwise, be prepared for some spoilers. Now, last week, we talked about being known and being loved, really kind of the first two parts of our vision. And today, we focus more in on that third part, that we're a community that loves doing good. And that comes out of Ephesians 2.10, that we've been created to do good works. So today, I want to talk about living generously. How do we live generously in every area of our life, specifically in our relationships? How do we live generously with the gifts and the talents that we've been given? And how do we live generously with our resources? What does it mean to be generous in these areas? How does that look? What does it look like? Um, what does it look like in the Old Testament? See, in the Old Testament was more law and rule-based. Things were more black and white. And so the Hebrew word for tithe, which we can still use today, that word means 10%. And that was sort of the giving standard of the people to give a tithe of their first fruits back to God. In the New Testament, we don't see that tithe mentioned as much as we do this call to be generous. See, a tithe can be measured. You can tick the box. I've done it. With generosity, where's the line? Where's the mark? When do you know if you have been generous? As is usual, Jesus always raises the bar. He doesn't just look at our externals. He looks internally to our hearts. Have they been transformed? And is that then shown through the way we live our lives? So before we dive in, let's pray. God, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this church that we can gather, that we are a community together. We are your body of Christ, and I pray that your Holy Spirit helps us to understand your word today, that it might go deep into our hearts, God, and we can understand how to live this out. In your name, amen. So I want to look at Paul and how he talks about generosity today in 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. This is what he says. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, which richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lap, lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. It's this invitation to use what God has given us for good. Let's unpack this kind of a verse at a time. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their wealth, their hope in wealth because that's uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So 
initially what we hear in this passage is that, one, we need to put our hope in God. And the things that he's given us, we can actually enjoy them, enjoy what God has provided. He doesn't command them to stop being rich, but he commands them to put their hope in God and to enjoy what he has given. So God provides us with these things, the things that you have in your life, so enjoy them. Hear that call. God is generous with us not to be miserly, but to be generous. We don't have to feel guilty about the resources that we have. We don't have to feel guilty about his provision. In fact, enjoy it, Paul tells us. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to verse 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So to do good, this is that third part of our vision, doing good. Not just receiving, but actually giving out. And this is connected to our vision. See, faith is not just for our receiving. What God has blessed us with is not just for us, but the Christian journey is both the receiving and a giving, a taking in and a giving out. That flow of inward and outward is connected to how God desires us to live out our faith. Receive and enjoy, share and give. So share what God has provided. There's an incredible opportunity that each of us has with whatever we have been provided to do good with it, to share it, to impact this world, to impact the things around you, to impact our city, your schools, your workplaces, those with the biggest needs to share and spread the gospel, to feed the hungry, to reach the most vulnerable, to minister to the marginalized. There's opportunity for us to share. Now, sharing can be hard. I remember teaching the kids, sharing is caring. You guys use that phrase in your homes as well? And um, we're almost convincing, you know, at least when my kids were little, we're trying to convince them that sharing is caring, you know, and you can sort of see, you know, the hands holding on to whatever it is they, they have. And sharing is caring. It's kind of through gritted teeth as, as we force them to share. And it's not just a good message for kids that it needs to be trained, but we can walk in that as well. See, sharing and being generous is a guardrail for greed and self-centeredness in our life. Sharing keeps that into balance. It keeps us having the right perspective on the things that God has given us that we can freely give them to others. But it's especially difficult to share when it costs us something. And sharing can cost us something. I can remember um, getting on the minibus um, on my way home, and there's only really one bus that goes exactly to our place And there was a lady that came along just a little bit after me, um, but I could tell she was kind of nudging her way to what was going to be the front of the line. And I'm thinking about, should I be generous here? Should I step in front as the bus approaches and get on, or should I just be generous and act like, you know, she didn't cut in front of me and, and let her get on the bus? And then, you know, I'm speaking about generosity, so what do I do? So I decide, no, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to, I'm going to give her the front uh, place to get onto the bus, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. It's starting to rain. I don't have an umbrella. 
it's okay. The bus arrives, and in fact, she does step in as if she's the first person in line. I'm thinking, that's okay. And she'll have the, you know, her place of seat, and I'll just take whatever's left. And as she gets on, the minibus driver says, no more. All of a sudden, my generosity began to cost me something. There were no more seats on the bus, and my warm heart towards this lady all of a sudden gets quite cold and bitter, and I'm not feeling so much like sharing is caring anymore. And in fact, the next bus that comes by is completely full, so 10 minutes later in the rain, I finally get on my bus. Now, when we share and it costs us something, then that kind of reveals our heart. Right? My heart was really not to be generous to this person. It was to appear generous, <laughs> giving her something that didn't cost me anything at all. Would I have been as generous had I known it was the last seat on the bus? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not so sure I would have. Generosity and sharing can cost us something. And this kind of reveals our mindset. Do we have a scarcity or a generosity mindset? Do we think that there's just not enough to go around, or do we think of an abundance of what God has provided? Now, we see this in Scripture for the first time in Scripture in Exodus with Pharaoh. So far, scarcity really hasn't been talked about. There's always been enough. But with Pharaoh, he realizes the Israelites are growing too big, and he realizes there is not going to be enough. He doesn't think there's going to be enough. I better start shrinking the Israelites. I still want their labor, but I'm worried they're going to eat too much food. So he begins to put to death the males that are born. He's worried of scarcity, and he takes action. On the contrast, we see God. <coughs> who is generous. We see this arc of generosity throughout Scripture. In fact, as he leads the Israelites into the desert and they're worried about not having enough, he provides enough. He provides manna from heaven. He provides water from the rock. He provides quail. He provides all of this because of his generosity. We see Jesus continue on this theme of generosity in the New Testament when they're out and they're far away from the village and it's getting late and the disciples have a scarcity mindset. Let's send the people away so they can get food. We don't have enough. And Jesus says, what do we have? Go see what we have. Well, we have a little bit of fish and a few loaves of bread. And Jesus says, that will be enough. And in fact, it is enough. Out of his generosity, it becomes enough. He cares about the needs of the people that are there. He meets that needs with his generosity and shares and lifts this value up. God's generosity comes through time and time again, and it's a contrast to scarcity. Will there be enough for me? We can be consumed with that question. Have I saved enough? Is there enough? Do I have enough time? And we can begin to close in on ourselves and become very self-centered about making sure there is enough for me. Sharing guards against this scarcity mindset. 
back when I was a youth pastor, which was a long, long, long time ago, um, I did this event called the 30-Hour Famine that World Vision sponsors. And so our youth are doing um, this event for 30 hours, and they're fasting during this 30 hours. And we're, you know, collecting food. We're bringing it to the food bank. We're, we're doing all these things. But then you break the fast at the end of the 30 hours together. And this is how they have you break the fast. You divide up your youth into how <clears throat> goods are distributed worldwide. So there's a very small percentage of those who have an abundance so I seat a couple people at a table, and it's time to break the fast. And they have sandwiches and chips and sodas and desserts, and it's overflowing with abundance, and they're quite excited. The next table, you know, has about 10 or 15 people, and they represent sort of those who, who can just get by. They have enough, but not in abundance. And they get, they get rice, and they get beans, and they each have a plate full and they're kind of looking over at the table with the abundance and like, what just happened? I've been, you know, fasting for 30 hours. I've been doing all this work, and, and they don't know what's happening before me. Then finally, there's a third table with about the same number as the first one, and, and they are really the ones who are not yet having enough food, and, and they only get rice, and they get like a bowl of rice that they have to share. And, and then the organizer encourages you just to step back and see what happens. <laughs> Will a riot break out? You know, what will happen? What will the youth do? And I'm just praying in my heart that those with the abundance will begin to share. I haven't told them they have to. I'm just praying, please share, or this whole 30 hours is going to be wasted. <laughs> and in fact, they do share, and it becomes a party, and all of a sudden there's enough for everybody, and they realize they actually are enjoying in the sharing. They're enjoying in the giving and the recipients the same way. And it's really just a metaphor for life, right? Life in this world, just an up-close example. Sharing can cost us something, but it's a guard against self-centeredness. It's a guard against scarcity. So it's generosity is really a heart issue. This is why it's important. This is why, you know, Scripture talks so much about our resources, so much about money, because it's really at the center of it, our heart. Dan Allender, who um, is a professor of psychology and, and theology, um, says it this way. He says, we don't give because there are needs. There are. We don't give because it feels good. It does feel good. We don't give to make change. We can make change. Rather, we give because we have received first. We give because we are the recipients, the ultimate recipients of God's generosity, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's, God's life-changing grace. Wherever you put your resources, wherever you put your time, Wherever you put your gifts and talents reveals what's most important to you in your heart. What has captured your heart? Is it God's incredible generosity and his love? He is the first mover towards us. He moves towards us, and our life is meant to be a response to that movement. And it's something we can grow in. As I saw my kids grow in their willingness to share, and not have to be prompted all the time. We too can grow 
It's not all or nothing. We can take small steps of growing in our generosity. It is a discipline. Four, there are benefits to living generously. Paul tells us in 619 what these benefits are. He says it this way. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That coming age has begun. We've talked about it many times. Jesus' prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where God's will is being done is the kingdom here on earth. It's that new creation. This coming age is already, but not yet. Ultimately, it will be fully God's kingdom. But we can begin to take steps into that kingdom now. We can receive these benefits now, but we will see these benefits even more in the future. Now, you might look at this and say, is Paul saying that you can buy your way into the kingdom, that if you, if you give of your resources, that you will get this heavenly reward? Let me be clear. The New Testament, from the very start, says we are saved by grace through faith, through Jesus Christ is the 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 method, the mode, the center of our salvation is Jesus. What he has done, not what we have done. Paul is saying there's a response that we live that does bring benefits. It's not our salvation. It's making ourselves congruent with who God is, living life to the full. That true life that Paul says is meant to be lived out of generosity. And we can experience the benefits of that generosity today. Today, through God's spirit working in and through us, transforming us, changing us and the worlds around us. Whether you have a little or a lot, in different life stages, we'll have more time or less time. We might have more resources or less resources. We might have more gifts or less gifts. Whatever stage you might be at, we can be generous with what God has given us. This living generously brings joy. Instead of living in fear of scarcity, we can live with generosity and abundance. We can draw into who God is and how he has made us to be. So how can we take steps this very week in this? How can we take steps to live generously in our relationships with our gifts and our talents and our resources? And that could be taking steps inside the church. It could be taking steps outside the church, in your workplace, in your community, in your family. There are ways that we can take steps this very day and this week. You might assess, what has God given you? What are those gifts and talents? What are those relationships that you have? What are the resources that you have? Do you have relationships with a parent? a spouse, a partner, a sibling, a child, a coworker, who is on the margin in your life, who is on the fringe in our city, who can we be generous with, who maybe isn't receiving a lot of generosity? What abilities and gifts do you have? Do you have a gift of hospitality or encouragement or wisdom or teaching? What possessions or finances do you have that you can be generous with? And then how can you share it? How can you be generous with it? 
How can you help others to flourish? See, Jesus asked for the loaves and the fishes not to sit down and have the meal for himself. All right, guys, we have enough for us. Sorry, everybody else. Good luck. No, he invites that giving for the flourishing of everybody there. He cares about everybody that's gathered there. Jeff Chu says it this way. He says, it isn't flourishing unless everyone is flourishing. Who can you be generous with? Who can you have a coffee or a beer with and check in on them to see how they are doing? Maybe it's ministering with one of our ministry partners. Maybe it's serving in one of our ministries, shine with our kids, our youth. Yesterday, I was passing through the office, and they were doing their coffee ministry, and um, they'd actually filled up for that day's training, and people were learning how to make coffees, and I said, I am looking forward to receiving the benefits of their ministry, right? Um, What are the areas that God might be calling in you, whether it's inside the church, serving, welcoming people on Sunday, maybe it's leading a life group, maybe it's ministering with the elderly, Maybe it's ministering with those in the grassroots of Hong Kong. See, God doesn't help us flourish just for our own benefit. He helps us to flourish for the benefit of others. Israel was blessed to be a blessing to all nations. This has been God's heart from the very beginning, that his message doesn't stop with us. It carries on in and through us, not as a duty, but as a response to him, our worship. We give because we love God. We give because we love people. The Christian journey, as I was saying at the beginning, is both inward and outward. It was never meant just to impact ourselves, to deepen our own relationship with Jesus. It was meant to be lived out for the benefit of others as well. Richard Ward talks about Jesus' ministry in this way. He says, Jesus was not talking about forming a new in-group, but transmitting a message that actually made a difference for people and for human society. This is something I learned uh, this week, not that quote. (laughs) I've known that for a while. But the Hebrew name for God was Yahweh, and it's a holy name. And when I was taking Hebrew back in seminary, they said, this is actually a name that Jewish people won't enunciate. They won't say it out loud because it is so holy. Um, So they weren't really even sure how to pronounce this name. And what scholars think today is this, this name, Yahweh, is really almost a breath. It's breathing in and breathing out way. This inward and outward, the very essence of life, that God is both filling us and working in and through us out into the world. See, God loves us. He loves his people. He loves this world. He came not to serve, but he didn't come to be served, but to serve. He models his life after that, and he invites us into that very reality. This is God's heart. Enjoy what he has provided you. Share what he provides. Remember that generosity is a heart issue. And if we're facing a decision and we're thinking about it in terms of, am I thinking scarcity or generosity? Lean into generosity. And there are benefits for us living generously. 
And I would just encourage you to think about steps you can take this week. If you visit the welcome desk out front, there are lots of different ways that you can get involved, that you can serve, that you can maybe get into a life group. If you're not connected relationally, that you want to serve here at community or with one of our ministry partners, take those steps today. You might already be serving. You might be totally living generously, and we say, praise God, thank you for that. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a generous God, and I pray for your Holy Spirit to strengthen us as we take steps towards generosity, in generosity, God. I thank you for just the ways I have been blessed, God, by your generosity and the generosity of those in this church, whether it's been serving or giving or sharing of time, God. We thank you for who you are. May your Spirit give us courage to take steps forward in this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.